Hello and welcome everyone to Noisy Fulfillment, a Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast where we take you back in time, episode by episode of ABC's Desperate Housewives. This week we are breaking down season one, episode five, Come In Stranger, written by Alexander Cunningham and directed by Arlene Sanford. And I do believe this is the first time we have had both a female director and a female writer. So ladies, we're in the building. We're in the room where it happens. Claps for this. Maybe claps. Yay! I'm getting really fancy with my sound effects. I, this is only exciting to me. This is I, this is like my uh, new teacher first day or uh, new outfit first day of school kind of feeling. I'm here for it. I like it. Awesome. Um, I'm Rachel Warren, and in terms of inviting in strangers to my home, if I was afraid of strangers being in or around my home, nothing would ever get done around here because I am the least competent homeowner who has ever existed. Um, And also, it's very important to me that when people are in my home that they feel very, very comfortable. So I promise, while you are here, no matter what you or your children do stand on, break, or mess up, I will be the most gracious hostess ever, and I will never, ever bring it up. Um, But no, I'm not going to tell you where I live. So come one, come all, but I'm not telling you where I live. Um, Amanda, what are you like as a, a, a gatekeeper of sorts? Come in stranger or stay away stranger danger? Ooh. Um, I come in friends. <laughs> strangers only if I'm very, very well prepared that you're coming. Like, I, I don't know. I like to roll out the red carpet and maybe have some pudding shots on hand. That's my specialty. But um. That's fair, and I know where Amanda lives, so I can go for pudding shots right now. I have some in my freezer right now. (laughs) Um, Special flavor. Um, So I feel like I'm – I like to entertain, um, but I also get tired, and then I'm like, oh, party's over. Time to go. Awesome. So it's not an exclude, but it's not, but it's not necessarily about exclusivity. It's that if you're my friend, you're invited to my house, but, you know. For sure. For sure. Come, Come on over. I'm sure that like the direct TV guy would love it if I was like, hey, thanks for coming to fix my direct TV. You want a pudding shot? I'm not that good of a hostess. Wouldn't you love that if you? Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, So a couple of missed opportunities last time. I said that we would make this a segment. This would be a thing. uh, But I've I've not done a great job at this the last couple of times. So I want to I want to circle back on a couple of things. the Maserati Spider in 2004, we talked about uh, the, you know, Carlos's endless uh, gifts that he could give Gabby. And how did he have time to go out and scout this car? And isn't that kind of a long process? Yeah. And I asked, you know, is this a six digit, is this a six digit gift? Um, and you said possibly. And we were super close because the original MSRP on a Maserati Spider in 2004 was $85,542 for a Spider two-door. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. But it's a bike in the back, in the back. So that's. And I just, I, I, I would want to see that. You know what? Now there's the next deep dive. Is I need to see the trunk of that because I know, like with my sister, my sister has a sports car that's convertible, and it's not really a trunk. It's kind of like it just it pops up, and it's super shallow. Like yeah. there's nothing. And we talked. You kind of talked about that with your your beer escapades. Beer, yeah. I feel like we need to know about the square, like the cubic footage of that of that trunk. We need to know. They make it so darn uh, convincing. Um, the next part is the do you give a gun back after suicide? And I, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but it's not funny. It's not you know, it's, a, it's particularly serious, but I can just imagine um, 
uh, the family member of mine who is a police officer getting my text message about, hey, so if a person, you know, asking for a friend, I could so see him being like, you know, calling and, you know, my husband be like, should we watch Rachel? Like, is is this a cry for help? Because she just texted me and asked uh, what we do with the guns after people's suicide. Do we give them back to families? (sighs) I I mean, you should be concerned, right? It would be be wrong not to ask some follow-up questions, I suppose. I'd have some questions. Um, but he did tell. But he did tell me that yes, that happens. Fr- that happens frequently. But there are also people um, who say, "I don't want that back." And then the and and just like uh, a gun seized in an illegal operation, mm-hmm. you're not. Those aren't able to go back to to people. They get melted down. So oh, okay. yeah. More so that know. was edu- that was educational for me to know. And uh, again, that it was in the time frame. He's like, it just it just depends. If it was very obviously a suicide, and there's no investigation, typically the time frame is is much quicker um but he's like but you know some people don't want it back and i could understand why yeah, yeah. Um, oh go ahead circle, a quick circle back to our very first episode where we talked about goo hoarding i want you all to know that i threw away a ketchup bottle that still had a little teeny tiny bit in the bottom but it was time i did not keep it and the new ketchup at the same time it grosses me out so much that I am the reason for this conversation. I love it. But I, oh. I, I was very, very like intentional about it. I was like, do I keep it? And I'm like, nope, no, we're getting rid of it. So. Good job, Amanda. I, you're, you're my life goals right now. <laughs> Um, I also reached out to a friend of ours, I think a mutual friend of ours, that um, in a previous lifetime she did – time but career she uh was a custom bathroom installer and did some beautiful bathrooms and she agreed gabby's tub being in the middle on that pedestal and having to be plumbed would have been uh would have been like triple the price of what it would cost to just put in a bathtub or or something that already has the plumbing going to it so i'm glad to know that that wasn't uh that that we were correct on that it's as fancy as we thought it was literally um the rest i want to hold on to um because it'll come up again so we will we'll continue to circle back but i'm glad i have that off my conscience so amanda can you take us into a summary oh my gosh okay so just full disclosure i was watching and taking notes and then my ipad um i don't know where the notes went because it said it's storage is full so i i opened it back up to see my notes and they were gone so i'm a little i know but i'll do my best i'm gonna do my very best so um, big ideas in this episode, we have the Scavo twins um, trying to get into private school by hook or by crook, and <laughs> we, with some lying involved, um, we have the uh, stranger, we have the, the B&E attempt on the cat lady, neighbor, um, that Susan is trying to be a little bit of Harriet the Spy and solve. Um, we have Mama Celise popping up on the scene in what seems to be a surprise, but maybe is possibly not a surprise. Um, yeah, we also have a new neighborhood watch formed that um, turns into a little bit of a um, dating situation for our friend Susan. Mm-hmm. And um, we have Zach Young striking up a, a little bit of a strange friendship with Bree. So lots of different things happening, as always. Lots of movement. And we talked about that. It's 23, 23 episodes in a season, uncalled for, totally ridiculous. Can't imagine that that would ever exist again or, and or that I would have the time and patience for it. 
but all of these, it, it's not necessarily all table setting. There's a lot of movement going on. So breaking these uh, is, is totally different than breaking a season today, it feels like. It would be quite a story map, I feel, you know, and like picturing what, like if I were, if, if I were like mapping out this story of even just this episode, like it would look like, I'm not sure what, like a tornado of words because there's just so many things. I think it would look like what my mind probably looks like when it's mapped because I don't know what I'm thinking half the time either. So, what, like, what was I doing? What, why did I come in this room? That's, that's oh, my life. all the time, all the time. So we work. Uh, we start with our frame of Mary Alice's first lines, and it's Alberta from the Cat Lady. Uh, and typically, she had friends take care of her cat when she traveled, but this time she had to reluctantly ask Susan Meyer, pronounced correctly, darn it. <laughs> pronounced correctly um i love this is one of my favorite elements of the, the story anytime that we have what i call a spinny flashback um where they have three things that have happened to somebody and this this is susan's right um things that happened to susan the the bizarre things that happened to susan are bananas yeah the crazy things so commonplace running into your garbage cans done that daily and sometimes um unusual the wedding cake table that would have broken my heart I would have just I don't even know I went to a wedding this weekend and I thought about that I'm like what if somebody just accidentally if you're Susan though you should stay away from the cake agreed you know yourself and I know myself I don't go near anything that's nice and white and like the bride I stay away from those people (laughs) I don't have a red glass of wine in my hand when I go hug the bride at a wedding I'm I'm nuts Uh, and then the truly bizarre, the bird feeder. She's trying to feed the birds and they attack her. So we, my husband and I went for a run last week, though, and there was a bird. Maybe I've got a little bit of Susan Meyer in my soul because I, my husband actually made me stop running because there was a bird that was up on the telephone wire that we were running alongside. I'm telling the story about the bird. <laughs> I'm filming a podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you know we're keeping this in here because this is what our life is like. (laughs) But anyway, um, the bird was like chasing us along the, um, the telephone wire and like squawking at me. And I don't know if it's because I have like a sparkly headband on or I don't know. Maybe I have a little Susan Meyer in my soul. I don't know. It might have wanted your hair too, Amanda. I've, I know. It, I know. It looks a little bit like a nest, Rachel. You're not. Wrong. No, I know this from an episode of Dick Van Dyke. Uh, <laughs> that one of the kids kept getting attacked by a bird because they wanted the hair to make a nest. Just saying. Ah. ah the poor mother was like, "My, I know my kid's hair is clean." <laughs> <laughs> my hair today not clean. Can't. <sighs> okay. Anyway, so. Live in that Zoom life. When, uh, this is not a video blog, uh, when Susan and Julie go to feed Mr. Whiskers, the cat, uh, Alberta Frome's cat, they see that their drawers open and Susan is sure she hadn't left any of them open. If I'm Susan, I don't, I don't put anything past myself, but she is positive, damn it. And so they're worried somebody's broken in and then we see a person's shoes and jeans exiting, but they let the cat back in. So yeah, your house might have gotten vandal, or vandalized or burglar burglarized is that a word burglarized, that's uh, there we go uh while you were gone but damn it your cat is safe and that's what we're hoping for for your cat is that it will be safe the, the, the burglar was not looking for your cat nope 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 
Huh. And that all kind of uh, works into what you were talking about with the neighborhood watch meeting. Do you want to lead us through that? Yeah. So um, Lynette is the most unlikely host of the um, neighborhood watch, but somehow it ends up at her house, which I feel is kind of strange. But um, they, you know, everybody's talking about all their different things that are happening that we need to have a neighborhood watch for. And all of a sudden they all have these red armbands and they're walking the streets with their, with their clipboards. It was, it was crazy how that all, how they were able to get those armbands so quickly. But um, <laughs> Susan kind of does a little bit of flirty flirty with the, um, the cop that's there running the meeting. So. And he's flirty flirty right back. Yeah. She gives him the, um, she gives him the screwdriver that she found and he tells her he'll take it to the lab and we'll come back to that later. Absolutely, because apparently the police officers that were investigating, they laughed at Susan. And, man, I'm used to that. People laugh at me all the time. <laughs> I didn't know that that doesn't go in there. I didn't, I didn't know that. Don't you want this screwdriver? Um, the police officers were not interested. But this police officer is, and he makes her feel much better about it. And I, I appreciate that. Um, you're right. Lynette's hosting. So, and I think the, the marker of the best friends are the ones that let you, that help you clean up afterwards. So while they're cleaning up Lynette's house, Gabby asked Susan why she wasn't sitting with Mike. And she said she's been getting mixed signals. But Gabby says, well, the officer wasn't giving you any mixed signals. He's all about it. And she makes the point that like, I notice when, when they're not looking at me, I notice. What would it be to have that kind of confidence? Great. It'd be great. But also <laughs> not great for the people around you, I think. Perhaps. It seems that her friends are very, um, and we get, like, later on, uh, we'll get some flashback episodes that kind of give that some context, but uh, you'd have to have, a, you'd, I guess you'd have to be really confident to be friends with Gabrielle as well, because, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. I could see how that would be a lonely life if you're Gabrielle, because, who, who, you know, who wants to be on camera next to that? That's... Right. Oh, man. Um, while cleaning, continuing to clean up, Lynette wants Bree to use her influence at Barcliffe Academy to recommend the twins be admitted. But Bree is reluctant, and I can't imagine why. And Bree basically is like, you mean you want me to lie? Like, she flat out says what everyone's thinking. I love how she's like, well, I was really hoping that my reputation would stay good so my grandkids could go there. Like, she's very forward thinking. Very forward thinking and pragmatic. Absolutely. And, you know, even if, okay, I'm going to use my, let's say I use my, I use my influence to get these two twins in because I love them and adore them. And I love their mother and I adore their mother. My word is now mud. So I've made a huge sacrifice there. On top of that, how long are they going to last at this? If you can't get in the door, maybe you, maybe you're not going to do things inside the walls that are going to keep you there anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that would have been my argument is I, you know, I'm willing to do this for you because I love you. I love the twins. But do you think they're going to be happy there? Do you think they're going to thrive there? Do you think this is a good fit? Um, and Lynette, but Lynette's all about lying. No problem. Yeah. That's not, a, yeah. not an issue for her. And I don't mean to go there. Poor Phyllis. I, I don't know what to say. Um, I'm, she's not going to go a day of her life without hearing this, I'm sure, for the rest of her life. But I do think it's very interesting what happens with Felicity Hoffman down the line um, in terms terms of doing anything to get your child into a school right and it just it would be lost on me not to say it yes um while cleaning up the ladies here paul and zach are at it again fighting again um yes and i off the top of my head can't remember so (laughs) no no worries it's just the that oh they used to be such a happy family and brie comments well just just because they didn't they just because we didn't hear them yelling didn't mean that they were happy 
Absolutely. And that seems to be a, a theme that continues to weave itself in um, is what we see versus what we don't see and what we hear versus what we don't hear and what exists versus what we perceive to exist. Right. Exactly. With you in the neighborhood watch, you love those armbands. Um, they're beginning and Gabrielle's mother-in-law, Juanita Solis, shows up uh, and she says, yeah, she says, Carlos doesn't know she's coming either. It's a surprise. And I love the quote, family should always hug regardless of how they feel about each other. Yes. yes. Response is there. Yeah. Love it. Wow. Um, she delivers it so well. Yes, she really, really does. And you can tell Gabby is not, uh, this is not something she's excited about having to navigate. And it seems clear, right? That, fam- you know, like while you're hugging me and telling me that we should always hug no matter how we feel about each other. So you really don't want to be hugging me. This is not your, your sincerest hug you're ever going to give. Nope. <laughs> Over at Barcliff. Um, Tom we, and Lynette? Yeah, we have the little interview process going on, and we find out that Tom is a boat guy because um, he is sitting there very uncomfortable and finds something to comment on, which happens to be the headmaster's yacht or whatever you would call the boat. I don't even know. Right. Um, but it's a, I know it's a 42-footer, right? You got that. Yeah. Um, so they, d- they determine that the twins are on the must-meet list. I did like how the headmaster said, something to the effect of, yeah, we're going for more diversity. Um, identical twins would really hit a niche for us in our in our quest for diversity. I thought that was a, a funny way to think of diversity in your school. White middle-class identical twins are what pass for diversity. Yes. He also shared that um, their education was pretty basic and commonplace, which I thought, yeah. And they're what, six? Right. How, how, how would your education not be commonplace? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how much educational experience, experience have, could you have had? I don't, I don't, yeah. I would like to know what the, uh, the biographies of their other students, you know, where, where did they study before they took first grade here? Um, but they'll, but they'll, you know, Lynette thought this was it. She thought, oh, we're in after this interview, but no, now they're on the must meet list. So they're going to have to meet the, the, the twins and see how they interact with authority and other children. Exactly. This is going to go well. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, meanwhile, over at Bree's house, Rex is there to collect the kids and, uh, Bree expresses that she's been scared about this break-in at Mrs. Frome's. And he makes the comment, like, she says that what if he was a sexual predator and Rex makes the comment, that would be a lose-lose for both of them, which I thought was kind of unkind. And I don't I don't know that you would hear a comment like that in a show today. No, that you don't. It, it has nothing to do with your level of attractiveness. Things happen to you either way. And sexual predators have predilections for all sorts of things. So, right. yeah, the, 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 I agree. And I think it adds to my toolbox of Rex is a tool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> um, he also says that, you know, Bree's in the NRA. He would expect her to protect him. I'm like, man, that's cool. Wow. Yes. Um, I like how um, she asks if he will come and stay because she's scared. And he says, you know, marriage counseling might not work. You should get used to being alone. And then she uh, nails him on it when he tries to snatch some of the sandwiches that she's making for the kids and says, well, 
you know, marriage counseling might not work. You're going to have to get used to bad cooking. I really, I really liked that from Brie. I, I really liked that from her. Me too. And I remember watching that and thinking, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, marriage counseling might not work, but how do you know I'm going to have to get used to being alone? Mm-hmm. I, do, I just don't expect that for Brie. If marriage counseling doesn't work, I don't expect her to spend the rest of her life alone. No. Mm-mm. So I think that that's on him. So I, I might have responded with, you might have to get used to seeing me with other people. Oh, yeah, that would be that would be a good comeback. I like that. But she had it. She had it was done perfectly. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Officer Thompson arrives at Susan's house and would like to go on a date with her. She's re- reluctant. No yeah, she's reluctant at first. Yeah, but he didn't take no for an answer. He also said that lives were in that, that the lives of hostages might be um, at risk if she says no. He did. And and uh, he seemed surprised that she told him no at first. I agree. And that, and he's like, you're really saying no? And I didn't know where to go with that, except that he was getting, he was getting positive vibes that she would say yes. And so that he wanted to get deeper into, you know, why wouldn't it work? Or why, why would you say, why would you say no? What can I, what can I help you overcome so that we can make this happen? Uh, Later on, I feel differently about him, but I wasn't, I wasn't mad at that moment because it didn't feel you know, I'm so great. Why would you possibly say no to me it, as much as genuine curiosity? Later on, I feel differently. Yes. Agree. Agree. Well, Susan wants to, uh, Susan's going to, um, we'll circle back to that when Susan and Mike talk, but back at the Solis house, um, it looks like you're right. This was not a surprise visit. Carlos invited his mother here. She's traveled 2000 miles and Juanita asks if he thinks Gabby's cheating. And he says, yeah, if he thinks that he is and gets kind, I mean, it's not, it's not a kind reception from Juanita. No, he gets a little sad and she smacks him and is like, we don't, we don't cry. We don't do that. We're strong people. We don't cry, which Strong people cry. It's okay. It's okay to feel your feelings. You can cry and still be a strong person. And you can care about something uh, as opposed to, you know, it, it really, I think it lends itself to this idea of toxic masculinity, which again, interestingly enough, is written, the, is both written and directed by female um, staff members. So very interesting that that's getting into our first foray, I think, into this this idea of toxic masculinity and that that's where you learned it. It's pathological. And how can we over and how can we overcome that? Because I wouldn't want to slap my son. I don't have a son, but I wouldn't want to slap my son for having emotions. No. It's mm-mm. not my response. Definitely not. She also um, lets him know that she's going to take care of it and figure it out with the, uh, with whether or not Gabby's cheating, right? Doesn't she, isn't this the scene where she says, like, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yes, she's yes. Uh, she's happy to help. That's what she's there to do. Yes. Patrolling continues, and Lynette has a busy day planned for the twins. Vigorous, vigorous cardio and hole digging um, so that they will arrive at Barcliff exhausted. Not a bad plan. No, she puts them through a deca- basically a decathlon in the neighborhood, um, which, like, I was thinking about, wow, that's a long day for them to get up and, and do that. And she's got them doing the jumping jacks, and and it worked. She made them tired. I'm wondering if this is, even if we don't get into um, Barcliff, maybe this is something we should continue to have on our schedule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, 
uh, meanwhile, John texts Gabby that he wants to meet at the motel, and uh, Gabby is with Juanita, uh, Carlos's mother, and says, you know what, I'm going to run to the store, and Juanita is not letting her out of this house by herself. I'm coming with you, Gabrielle, I'm coming with you, yeah. Whatever store you want to go to, yeah. Juanita has a reason to be there, too. You're getting a facial? I have a face, too. I thought that was pretty funny. I did, too, uh, and the lingerie. I need bras. Who doesn't need bras? <laughs> Always. Oh, um, Susan goes over to Mike's and she tells him that the officer asked her out and and wants to gauge his feelings on it. And he's kind of like, whatever, like I'm complicated. I, got, I have a complicated life or something to that effect. Mm. Don't and I exactly I wanted to if I were Susan, Susan says it's complicated. I get it. My answer is, well, let me know when it gets simpler. Hmm. You know, like, who's who's ever said, man, my life is going really simply right now. Yeah, everything's running really smoothly right now. I don't, I don't seem to have much to worry about. Said no one ever. I don't think so. But you know what? I can't wait until we have listeners who can say their life is going really well right now and they don't need anything. They're doing yeah. great. I want to hear that. I want to hear that from listeners. Um, so that I can celebrate that with them. Kudos for your life going well. Yes. Congratulations <laughs> to you. But we have a mystery check in here too. That uh, as Susan leaves, she doesn't she doesn't clock it. It really is only for the audience and maybe for Mike. But we see that there is a screwdriver that matches the screwdriver uh, Susan found at Mrs. Frum's house, and it's missing from Mike's setup there, right in the middle, smack dab. I missed that. Ooh, well, I that it, you didn't in your notes. I know it, Amanda, because every time you find you find something, and I'm like, man, how did I miss that? Um, so I know you didn't in your notes. And when those notes are discovered somewhere, so well, you'll in, know in the cloud. They're hiding in the cloud as soon as the water cycle starts up. Everything is in the cloud. Uh, Brie goes over to Zach's house um, because Paul is supposed to be doing patrol with her, and he hasn't showed up. Apparently, he's out of town. Yeah. Yep. And um. Bree invites Zach over for dinner. Absolutely. She can see that he's struggling. She, she's like, man, this house is immaculate. And he says, yeah, my mom liked it that way. And he's polishing the varnish. He's polishing the floor. Trying to get, because he wrecked the floor, trying to get the blood off of the floor. Yes. And it's just a cry for help. And you know what's going to help is some food. And you know what? They're both, they're both lonely. They could both yeah. use that companionship. Exactly. Exactly. It her own kids don't. Little, it only gets weird a little later. <laughs> and her own kids don't uh, don't care about her cooking. <laughs> They've had too much good cooking in their life. Right. Oh, at the lingerie store, true to form, Gabby took her to that lingerie store. Like she she was not getting out of it. So, uh, took her to the lingerie store, and Juanita tells Gabby that you know maybe if you had some children, you wouldn't find the need to shop all the time because you know when you have children, you get so busy taking care of them that you don't have time to wonder whether you're happy. And Gabby really snaps at her, and I love how she kind of makes a scene and storms off, and Juanita tells the other shoppers or clerks or whatever they are, mm-hmm. that's my daughter-in-law. She's very fulfilled. It was so well executed, right? Gabby says, I like my life a lot. It's very fulfilling, and slams the bra back onto the, the, onto the uh, rack. And she's, yeah, she says, excuse my daughter. She's very fulfilled. You can see. You can see how happy she is in her really? life. Really, happiest person here. Um, at Lynette's, this is uh, at Lynette's. Uh, she and Susan are talking, and Lynette is um, filling back in the go- the holes, and she blames gophers. Why wouldn't you just tell her what she what you did? Susan's not going to judge you. 
Well, and it's not like it's not like out in the open. I mean, who didn't see it, you know? Apparently Susan, because she's like, oh, really? And it just made me sad. Yeah. That's a big um, Mike's in the park meeting with some mysterious man. Uh, he admits that he broke into the From house and that his fingerprints must be on that screwdriver. And so he's going to need to skip town. Pull up stakes. He's going to need to pull, pull up, up stakes. That's that's so that is exactly the way Mike would put that. I'm sorry, I mischaracterized. Yes, it was great. It was great. So um, I also thought it was interesting that Mike was like, "I don't. These are nice people. I don't. I don't think it's happening here." And the man said, "You know, keep digging. You're gonna find it." So what are they his, looking for? His cynicism works out, works so well for for what we've found woven into this. It's like, yeah, well, one of them isn't. You know, I, I have I have a feeling that if you, yeah, if you dig a little deeper, we'll find out at least one of them isn't. Right. Which is fair. Um, back at Gabby's, Juanita is watching Spanish soap operas, and Gabby sneaks out. To, I'm sorry. Telenovela. 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 I got to fix that. Okay. Thank you. Gabby sneaks out to the garage, and John is livid with her. Yeah. He had to spend a whole month of worth of lunch money. On that motel room. So can we just do a little bit of math? I believe I got $25. I think it was kind of expensive to eat at school. I think it was $5 a day. So I would say $25 for the week. So times for $100 in 2004. For a motel, $100 for a motel room? I don't buy it. Well, I'm just, it can't possibly be a very good one. Well, okay. Really? In 2004, who's calling it a motel? Okay. I don't know. There's like, I've seen some cheap motels. Okay. That's fair. I don't imagine he's trying to get them into the Hilton. You know what I'm saying? But, and Gabby's going to go there? I just don't know. Really? Also. I I guess she'll do it in a garage. If you're a kid, can't you not get a hotel room? Doesn't it have to be an adult? That is actually a thing because I think when we were 18 going to prom, it was a big deal. Like we had to, we had to figure out a way like for our parents to um, say it was okay for us to be there or something. Mostly I'm sure they were worried about underage drinking or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, but I I think you can at 18. I think different hotels might have different rules and I think they might be enforcing those rules capriciously based on your demeanor when you walk in, but. Could be, could be. Um, In this, um, in this segment, John's pretty upset with Gabby and is is says to her at one point, like, I've turned down half the pep squad for you, which just a little, makes me a little uncomfortable because we're, you know. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I, I meant to, I guess, circling back to that when um, Carlos is saying that Gabby's unhappy and that that's the reason Juanita is there is because mm-hmm. Gabby's unhappy. I think she might be cheating, but regardless, she's not happy. She's a nightmare lately. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've given her everything that she's ever wanted. Um, and now Juanita is there to make sure that the things that she's doing are 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 okay with Carlos. There's there's something problematic there, but also the way Gabby decides to handle her unhappiness is with a felony. Um so yes, you're right. The 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 idea that children are involved with you trying to make yourself happy. Right, right. Oh golly! Okay, All right. Gonna meet up at the mall the next day because Juanita's uh, telenovela has come to a close, and she's looking for the ever elusive Gabrielle. So Gabby lays a big kiss on John and 
scoots out the door. She promises to be on time tomorrow. Um, the meet the the uh, the the must meet list. We've uh, we've moved on to the must shake down list. Apparently, um, Barcliff wants a fifteen thousand dollar donation. How would you even go about? I I I would love to know how they discovered this information. How that would be posed to you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's between you and one other family, and a donation would put it right over the top. I don't know when that becomes not bribery or not a problem. Right. Right. So I'm I guess kind of naive. now we need to consider homeschooling. Oh, and who will be doing the homeschooling? Oh, my gosh. Poor Lynette. Honey, sometimes you have to make the sacrifice, says Tom. And Lynette is way kinder than I would be. I would, I would crush his skull. Yeah. I don't have, I, oh my goodness. What sacrifices do you make? Um, but later, right? Um, and again, Lynette, we talked a little bit about in real life, Lissy Huffman, Huffman would later be charged with fraud for falsifying her daughter's SAT scores, also for $15,000. Very interesting that those numbers were the same. Um, and that's a great, just side note, that there's a great documentary about all of that. I think I've seen it. Good. It's really, I'm, I'm imagining that you probably have. I, wa- I also watched the Lifetime movie because I just I, I've never had a cheap thrill that I didn't like. <laughs> I did that one. I did the one on the Nixium cult. Anytime yes, you wanna, that was my favorite. It was so good. so good. Anytime you want to talk about the Nixium cult, that's a podcast in and of itself. But it's a little I, I, bit culty. It's a little bit culty. I love their podcast. Oh my gosh, Sarah Everson and Nippy and Nippy uh, Ames. I love them so much. And if they ever hear this, I don't even like. I don't even know what kind of dance I would do if I found out that that Sarah Edmondson and Nippy Ames listened to this this would that would I don't even know she would have been a great housewife yes agreed oh gosh all right we move on um at Bree's Bree and Zach are having dinner and Bree uh, reveals some imp- uh, really information that I it makes sense to me and so so interesting that this is how it's revealed she said that her mother died when she was young too right before Christmas and she was hit by a car and most of her family went to the hospital, but she was so young, so she stayed home, so she saw the blood in the street. Yep, and she went out and was washing it off of the street, and once it was clean, she felt so much better. She that, And it all makes so much sense to me. So much sense. So I much. want her to share this with Dr. Goldfind. Oh, yeah. This and is the kind of information we need to fill those sessions with, Bree. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Also, they were eating plum pudding. Who would like... <laughs> your random neighbor child over and serves them plum pudding. He's all about it. He is there for that plum pudding. He really is. He really is. And she said that she'd never told anybody that. And again, that makes me think not even your therapist. Come on. We got to work through this trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. And Zach says that those are the most interesting stories. The ones that they don't, that we don't tell anybody. And he has one that he'd like to share with her. And he starts to reveal that he, feels that his mother's suicide was his fault and she starts to dig a little bit and he freaks out and leaves absolutely and then Um, she meets up with the girls outside in broad daylight and is loudly discussing it and they're asking her if she can pry a little deeper I, i feel like they have a lot of pretty sensitive discussions just out in the street where anybody can hear I think this is the, the like the same as the fact that you have sex on your dining room table with the windows open or the the shades not pulled in the middle of daylight. I just 
I, I get it. It's great for storytelling, but from a logistical standpoint, I worry that you don't, you must want to get caught. Right, right. Oh, um, so, you know, the, the women are telling Brie, well, you got to find out more. You, you know, you can't leave it there. So how did you, uh, how did you get information or how did you get Rex to do things? How did you manipulate Rex? Yeah, we're women. We manipulate to get what we want. That was, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting coming from Gabby. Not shocking. <laughs> oh, 2004. Um, so Brie, uh, plans to invite Zach to dinner again and she said she's going to make roast turkey and eggnog so what her plan is to get Zach drunk so he'll talk yeah all the things that are wrong with these women and what they how they handle children add it to the list I don't mean to shame but I when it's a felony or and I would say this one's a misdemeanor um we we have to be held accountable. My goodness, wouldn't be okay if men were doing it. Not, nope. So calling it out. Um, twin the twi- uh, Lynette's twins are fully rested again. They come. She comes home and they're wrestling, and she comes up with a plan involving a boat. <laughs> yeah, she's sitting on the couch, and a solution sails into view. She pulls a boat out from behind her back, and so I'm I'm immediately like, what is this going to be semester at sea? Like. Oh, we can ship off our five-year-olds. Okay. Or she's going to have Tom take them on the boat and teach them on the boat. Oh, that's, okay. That's where my brain went. Okay. Well, works. That, that, that'll work. We'll see We'll see when we circle back. Um, but Gabby and Juanita are shopping again, and Gabby sends her to the dressing room to try on some clothes, mm-hmm. and she hides unpurchased merchandise in Juanita's bag. So as Juanita tries to leave catching up with Gabby, who's off to her tryst, um, she's apprehended by a clerk. And Gabby, like, that poor woman is, like, screaming for help. And Gabby's just, like, in her little pink tight outfit, like, bustling off to go meet up with her man, who she kisses in broad daylight outside of the mall. Gabby, girl, hide your shit better. Like, what are you doing? Again, you must not, you must want to get caught. Like, this, that has to, there's only one explanation Um, in public, in daylight. Nothing I can say about that. Yeah. So at Bree's, she's made a beautiful dinner um, for for her and for Zach and some eggnog. When and a Rex- big, that was a big turkey. I'm sorry. It's so expensive. My mind, I, I just must be the cheapest person in the world because I'm sitting there calculating how much all this stuff cost. Yeah. Giant. I know. I know what I. I know what like I have to chip in at Thanksgiving, and last year was the first year that <laughs> the the second generation or third generation, depending on how you look at it, had to make all the food, and our parents were not involved, and we were very concerned about it because of COVID. We had to make our own. Gen- <laughs> we had to make our own food. I knew how much it cost, and to do it by myself, I would have paid double. Um, but Rex calls her and invites her to dinner, and she leaves behind this. At- it doesn't, that Thanksgiving dinner is not like a 30 minute meal. Like we're not Rachel Ray style. Like that was, that took her hours yes. and she just jumps at the chance to go be with Rex. And that just made me really sad for her. Me too. Me too. Because she, she, lo- she does love him and maybe she also loves her lifestyle. Maybe there's, there's complicated reasons about it that, you know, sometimes I don't think that either of them deserve either of them, that they're both problematic, but that, yes, she put all this energy and time into this. She obviously cares about Zach and wants better for him, mm-hmm. wants to be able to help him, but it, it was just this, 
desperate need. Desperate is the best way that I can describe it. And it's not even to be critical or condescending, but it was, it was just so desperate. And yeah, I think that's what makes me sad about it as well. And I think it's really interesting that it wasn't just that she had prepared this turkey. Like she had intentions of finding out more information about her friend's death. And she like, she bailed on that. It's not like just we're meeting for coffee. Like she was going to, she was going to get information and she bailed on that to meet up with Rex. Like that, it just was surprising to me. I also was like, well, why don't you just invite him over and eat this dinner? Cause what is happening to this big, beautiful Turkey that you've made? Like the stakes are so high. Right. And that was an idea too. I thought, I thought about that, but it, it, that she wants this time alone with Rex. She wouldn't have wanted Zach to come, you know, and no, but I'm saying like, why wouldn't she have just oh. like, Zach, I can't like, I, I have this thing and then just have Rex come over and eat the Turkey. Like what, what happens to that meal? Where does it go? I think it goes, I, I can't see her refrigerating anything. I no. think it goes in the garbage and that dry, oh, oh my goodness, that just breaks oh. me. God, that turkey skin looked perfect. I know, I could just, I could eat it too. So we move over to, well, she tells Zach, first of all, she got to tell Zach that she has to cancel, but she'll reschedule and he looks so sad and that's. He really sad, yeah. She, he was looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. It's just another letdown and that's hard. And a long list of letdowns for Zach. Yeah. He's a tragic character. He's got a lot of sad things. Well, on her date with uh, the officer, Susan is looking up girls who are mean to her in high school. Looking at their record. She's like, this girl used to spit in my gym shoes. And <laughs> apparently later on in life, she goes on to be a check kiter. Check kiter. <laughs> Does that make you feel better about the spit in your gym shoes, Susan? Right, Susan, right. If you have a mean, okay, just gonna dive. This is gonna this is gonna diverge a little bit. Have you ever had a mean girl moment like that, where somebody was mean to you and you saw them doing badly in life and it felt kind of good? Um, not a mean girl, but I did have it. I did have an ex mm. person in my life that was uh, not great to me, and I saw a picture of them later. And they didn't look like they had been living a good life. And yeah. it did make me a little bit smug. Yes. How about you? I've had two um, in particular. Um, one of them was an arrest. And I was like, you know what? I, I want better for you than that. I'm sorry that we're not friends anymore, but I would like better for you than that. So it didn't make you... That one made me sad. Mm-hmm. But... What do you do? The right. the other one that's just petty that uh, I'll cop to um, is this girl was mean to me in middle school, um, and just uh, she was she was tough. She was tough. Um, and uh, Addie and I were going through the drive through somewhere one time, and I felt I felt badly for how her life was going, mm-hmm. um, and that my life was going pretty well, and I had my child in the back of my car and I, I don't think she recognized me but I recognized mm-hmm. her and I told Addie the on the way home the the story of how she had been mean to me and that living well is the best revenge but I so I felt smug about it but then as I tried to explain it to my daughter then I felt bad about myself yeah. so it was a good it was a good coming full circle like someday I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'll live a good life and that'll be the the best revenge which is not untrue um but I didn't feel good about myself explaining it to my daughter and that's how I know I was doing something wrong so that's an interesting way to way to gauge 
what you're doing. Yeah. You know, like having to explain it to some, like, how do I feel about it when I say it out loud to someone whose opinion matters? Correct. That, oh, that was so well put. Oh, Amanda, that was so good. We should put that on a bumper sticker. Add <laughs> it to, we'll have some merch for our yeah. podcast and you can purchase these inspirational quotes by Amanda. Swipe up to purchase. It'll be one of the things she half knits for you and puts in her knitting room. I'll pull out one of my projects and I'll rework it. Oh my goodness, if only. Um, so Lynette, we're going to circle back to the conversation about homeschooling. Lynette's been thinking about it. Uh, Lynette tells Tom that, yeah, you're right. You know what? One of us needs to stay home. One of us needs to go to work. And, you know, I have already made sacrifices. I made more than you and I quit my job. So you know what? Your turn on the merry-go-round. And Tom's like, no freaking way. I'll lose my mind. And she's like, mm-hmm, yep. So I love how she kind of like walks over and like stands near the mantle with the pictures of the boat. And Tom, poor Tom, not poor Tom. Okay, I was like, what? We're not usually on the opposite side of the the Tom Scavo man child. Oh, that guy. He grinds Um, my gears. So it take good job. Uh, so in in a little bit culty, they call that chapping your ass. Uh, yes, he chapped my ass every episode at least twice. <laughs> well, oh. and, and how you know how easy was it to calibrate that? I don't even find that manipulative. This is an objective statement of fact. I made more money than you, and right. I stayed home. So you know what? I'll go back, and then we'll have some more money. Look at that. Right. Win, win, win. Ah, right. okay. Now yeah. that we've calibrated, here's who needs to make a sacrifice. Yep, your turn, Tom. I can't imagine how often he takes that boat out. If you ever had a boat, it's a pain in the butt. That was about to come out of my mouth. Like when, when he's so busy going off on Margarita business trip weekends or they're chasing these kids or you can't take those kids on a boat. Are you kidding? I, I, I no, no kidding. I would be, I would, what a dangerous thing to do. Oh my God. Their when children. Was, when was the last time they went on that boat? Come on. This is not a family thing to do. No. Like you have a camper, that's family-ish. I get that. I, I can see your kids in the woods just fine, Lynette. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so Zach, it, lo- it looks like um, Zach has broken into Bree, Bree and Rex's home, but Bree's home. He decorated the entire house for Christmas, including putting up a Christmas tree from a pine tree that he cut down uh, in their yard. And he puts up Mary Alice, Paul, and his own stockings on the oh, fireplace. Breaks your heart. I thought that they would come in and just find him sitting at the table eating the meal. I, oh. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he was hungry. Yeah, yeah. Oof. That was that was heartbreaking to see all that, like all of that work that he because putting up Christmas decorations, that's no joke. I don't that's, do that by myself. No, and he had to like haul the boxes next door like that that's a lot of effort it made me really sad i'm glad he won't be arrested brie makes them take the handcuffs off zach he's the, the, the recidivism on that is gonna come on what what is i mean he learns a lesson about not breaking into people's houses totally agree i think there might be another way that we could handle it right. um especially based on the trauma he's he's um suffering but paul young emerges mm-hmm. and, he's and, and zach you know, kind of quietly grabs onto Bree's hand. Yes. Ugh. Everything about this bothers me. He holds his hand. Like, I was like, oh, God. Everything about that breaks my heart. I, I guess, like, is he holding onto her hand as, like, a mom? Or is he, 
holding on to her hair. Like, I guess I don't know what his angle was with it. I did think it was mom. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't concerned that it was um, romantic in any way. Okay. I, w- I wasn't sure. I thought he was scared of his dad in that moment. He seemed more scared of his dad than he was of the police. Yes, true. My, my mom true. would tell you that's just good parenting. <laughs> like, uh, if you're in trouble with somebody else, you've been in trouble with her already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back to uh, Susan on her date with uh, off with the officer whose name I will now change. Um, but uh, back with the officer, Susan spots a screwdriver in the trunk, and Officer Thompson fesses up and says that, well, yeah, that they were right to laugh at you, basically. Yeah, and is this going to be a thing? Like, Are you going to be a girl about this? Uh, and then he says, okay, drama queen. Why do I always yes. those? I was like, you are a horrendous person. So this is when I start calling him Officer Douchebag. Um, oh, that's really like it. And I'm done, I'm done with him. And yeah. it just, that tap, that part, why do I always pick the psychos? Yep. So I'm sure I'm not the only woman who's heard the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. your ex is always crazy, right? That that that, right. that uh, Taylor Swift has a whole song about it, yeah. um, which is how I know it's true. Um, but <laughs> truly, that that one bothers me. And my comeback to that after multiple years in therapy is, you're right. Why do you always pick the psychos? Why don't you do some introspection about why this is so attractive to you? Oh, okay. I like it. I like Maybe it. you have a type. Maybe psycho yeah. is your type. I I can't believe um, this area of town that I don't know. He says like don't go like this is a dangerous area. Like mm. why are you, why are we there then? I mean I get that that's where the, the restaurant that you're going to mm. is, but then he kind of he kind of lets Susan do her angry her her rage her rage exit her rage quit. Yeah, I post about rage quitting. I loved it. I loved it. Um, she does her rage exit, and I feel like if he would have been a good man deep in his soul, mm-hmm. he would have driven the car alongside her. Right. Wouldn't have let her storm off by herself out where where they are. That yeah. was terrible. I thought he was I... terrible on every level. The lying, the calling her a drama queen, saying, why do you have to be a girl about this? And then letting her, letting her leave in this area of town. There's, he has no redeeming qualities and I'm delighted. Officer douchebag has seen the last of Susan Meyer. Yeah. I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's going to take her chances on the street. She's going to do it just fine. Um, back to Gabby, uh, back to Gabby's house and Gabby tells Carlos on the phone about Juanita's shopping incident. She says there won't be any charges. She's taking care of everything. Don't worry about it, Carlos. It's fine. Yes. And Juanita is knitting. Um, and then proceed. She looks really sedate and Mm -hmm. sad. Um, so I'm like, okay, like, is she having a confused moment like what's happening here and then she asks Gabby to sit down and tells her it's important and Gabby's Gabby's not kind to her like not even a little bit um but she um Juanita tells about how she got married really young and Carlos's father um was quick like quickly became abusive to her and um then you know she was wanting to die because it was so bad and then all of a sudden she has Carlos and he gives her his re- the reason for living and 
when he is four years old, the father comes home and beats him. And then she made sure that he would never touch them again. And she like, they keep like flashing to the knitting needle needles. So sharp knitting needles. Yeah. They're there. And by the way, as a knitter, those are not my favorite knitting needles. Those I'm so glad you have that perspective to share. Cause I do not know anything. Oh God. That I, my version of hell is no diet Coke, all diet Pepsi, <laughs> garbage coffee with powdered creamer and aluminum oh knitting needles. Like that all does sound bad. Oh God. Thank I you can't. for relating it to something I would understand. I <laughs> hate those knitting Pepsi. needles with the fire of a thousand suns. But anyway, I guess if you were going to, if you needed a weapon, they would be the best type of needles as a weapon. They're certainly, they're, they're certainly accessible to Juanita right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Striking the fear of God into Gabby. She really does. She really does. But I mean, her point is like, don't hurt my son or I'm coming for you. And what parent can't relate to that? Exactly. I think though, I think it's interesting in this episode because Carlos is like, like he's admitting a little bit of weakness and it, I feel for him and I feel for her as the mom, as his mom, like wanting to protect him. Um, but I feel like that's such a pivot from who he's been leading up to this episode. Do you know what I mean? Like in the last episode, he like goes and beats the crap out of the cable guy and then is like in the bathtub with Gabby, like pulling her hair, like not, not in a dangerous way, but like alluding to the fact that he could be hurtful. And like, he had made another comment earlier about, you know, that would be the only time that happened. And um, with, with Brie emasculating Rex. And I just, I feel like that was a hard pivot with how, with how we're supposed to view Carlos. And it makes me, it made me a little pissed at Gabby. Like you need to stop, like you need to stop. Right. And if you need out, if this marriage isn't good for you, then leave, like get out. But like, there's you're... another way to route out. Yeah. I don't think she wants to leave Carlos. That That's what it has been for me. I agree. So much of what you said, I, I picked up on a couple of things that I wanted to kind of touch base on. One, um, I don't think I said it, but this came out on um, October 31st, 2004. Now, we've seen it since ever since that this has been every week we've had a new episode. So this is five episodes, you know, in the in the span of five weeks. So I can't even imagine, maybe test audiences didn't respond as well to him in the first couple episodes. And so this pivot Mm -hmm. is indicative of that, but it's, you know, it's not as responsive at, you know, we're on episode five. So if you didn't like him in episode one and two, it's not like they could shoot episode five and make him softer or something, you know, round him out a little bit. So maybe test audiences, that's the only explanation I can give there, but I agree. off brand for what they've built him as. Yes. Yes. And so that, that, and we'll see, and we'll see a, a rounding out, I think. We'll see some, you know, nuance to, to Carlos's character, but I agree. This is at least that, that step, which we hadn't seen before. Um, and then the, the other piece is that if you're not happy, there are ways to get out of a marriage mm-hmm. that don't necessarily involve a felony. Um, and infidel, even just involve infidelity. Like, correct. That it's with a high school student, like, it's it's just I don't know it's but, it's a super selfish choice. But for me, I think she has absolutely no, and I think she's even said that to John. I have absolutely no, you know, I'm not gonna not be with my husband. Like she, he says, do you love him? She's like, yeah, I do. And we're doing this so that I don't blow my brains out. Like <laughs> she, I don't think she has any immediate plans to be out of this marriage. Hmm. 
I don't understand. I like, I just, yeah. that's out of my realm of understanding how you feel that you're in your marriage. Yeah. Wow. This is what you're doing. I'd be like, very, I, don't, I, don't, I can't, I can't either. And so I wish I had more insight on that because yeah. it just doesn't occur to me either. No, nope. Mm, tough one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Susan needs a ride home <laughs> from the di- from the date from hell. So she, she borrows the sex worker's phone. <laughs> it was all beda- Did you see it? It was so it was bedazzled. But I, but I love how first she's like, "Do you have any change? Preferably in quarters." And the girl's like, "If I'm being paid in quarters, I'm not doing my job right." Must be really bad at this. <laughs> so yeah. insulting. Oh, but that girl had beautiful hair, didn't she? Yep, and I just loved her, and I loved everything about her. She was very sex positive. She was very, and she's willing to help her. She's totally yeah. willing to help Susan. Like, yeah, I've been in a shitty situation too. Here's my phone. That was so nice of her. But at first, she's like, "You're on my block." No, that's true. We can be territorial about things that are ours, and if you are very territorial about this, is how I make money, and, and do not to jeopardize that. But now that it's clear that this is not uh, Susan's intention, she just wants to get home. She uses uh, she uses her the um, her new. Did she, did we get a name? We didn't. Darn we it! Didn't. So we need to well, name our characters. I don't even think it was in my notes. <laughs> Darn it! I don't, I didn't get it either. So invisible ink iPad notes. I just don't want to, I just don't want to other someone in that way where I don't give them, I don't call them by their name. So if I yeah. get it wrong, we'll circle back. Um, but she does allow Susan to use her phone and Susan uses her phone to call Julie who can't drive yet. No, so no, she I don't needs, know why Julie's the one you call, but. Because that's, that's Susan. Like that is their relationship. And who does Julie call? <laughs> Who's going to pick her up from this terrible date? I thought it was going to be Carl. No. Full disclosure, I was like, well, who else is she going to – yeah, I thought it was going to be Carl. No, but like- this, this is just like saving the mail, saving the junk mail. Like any opportunity I have to get – if I'm if I'm Julie, any opportunity I have to get my mom within this many feet of Mike Delfino <laughs> is what I'm yeah. going to do. And this is a perfect opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Mike picks her up and – He says, how much for a trip around the world? <laughs> I love it. Oh, me too. And Susan and Mike get to talk about this, about the fact that, you know, the date went poorly. Mike gets some really interesting information that kind of lets him off the hook that the they will not be looking into that screwdriver. Nope. So you don't have to pull up stakes, Mike. Hang nope. out. Keep your tent firmly staked in the ground. And, and I love I love this moment for Susan. Like, mm-hmm. she says, I'm so mad that I like you so much. Yeah. I thought that was great. Good for you, Susan. And, and yeah, be honest with it, be honest with it, because what's the worst thing that's going to happen is you're not going to be with that person. But if you don't tell them and put it all out there, then the worst thing that's going to happen is that they don't know the extent of your feelings. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for her vulnerability there too, and, and strength there too. And she gets something and she does get something out of it. She asks Mike, you know, what are your favorite, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite music? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a guy not a band it's a guy with a band <laughs> very good oh that was good um and what do you think about me and he doesn't answer it doesn't answer the question nope but he does act and not they words. share he yeah. does answer just okay words with okay. deeds instead fair as an english teacher it's just as important that i have um messages of validation 
including actions of validation. Uh, but yes, they share a long, passionate kiss, and she's pretty happy about it. It she worked out fine. She's like, can you repeat that? I thought that was cute. She's a I slow learner. Like, she finally had her moment. She's a slow learner, and we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, she did have her moment, and I'm, I'm glad, too. All right. Um, oh, I want to just, I should have mentioned in the episode title, uh, Come In Stranger actually comes from a Johnny Cash so- uh, song instead of a Sondheim mm-hmm. musical. Okay. So okay. that was something. Uh, although credited in the opening, Edie Britt, who uh, is played by Nicol- Nicolette Sheridan, does not appear in the episode. We had no Edie. No Edie. Well, if you were waiting for her to pop out from the extended cab of the truck during that kiss, she didn't do it all sorts of popping out oh that wasn't very nice <laughs> that wasn't very nice um but her- <laughs> <laughs> sorry i really like I these things like her wash scene provoked you to say that oh and you know what that's a gen- that's a that's a, a gendered problem for me and i i'll work on that um as we close out with mary alice's last lines uh, that people by their very nature are always on the lookout for intruders trying to prevent those on the outside from getting in there will always be those who force their way into our lives just as there will always be those that we invite in but the most troubling of all will be the ones that stand on the outside looking in the ones we never truly get to know and that's accompanied. Um, oh, wait, I missed stuff. In Bring- that, we saw the twins, like, whirling dervish running through the school. So they must have gotten into the school and become their authentic selves again. And apparently, headmaster's like, Whoa, and, and apparently there's no demerits or expulsion at this school. They're going to be fine. Right. Um. I've, I've, uh, I missed this part. I'm sorry. That Brie go that Brie goes to Zach's house at the very end, and she hears oh. Paul and Zach fighting and glass yeah. breaking. Uh, Zach comes to the door and says everything is fine, but we, but when she closes the door, we as the audience see that Paul is on the floor with a bloody lip. And I thought they were gonna pan to Paul being like tied up to a chair. Ooh, something. I thought yeah. it was even gonna be worse. I did. I did. I love that. I cannot remember anything well good i mean maybe <laughs> maybe <it>. later <laughs> yeah um but poor mary uh, you know poor mary ellis those li- those last lines the ones we truly never get to know and it looks like paul has found a solution to this problem the next day um as Bree's going out to garden she sees that uh zach is in the front seat of the car paul's taking him somewhere yes with a bag packed mm-hmm. yes so Everybody. extended extended somewhere uh, that we will we'll have to find out next week when we are headed into running to stand still. Yes, can't wait to see what episode six has in store for us. Do you have anything else, Amanda? Um, I don't think I do. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm Rachel. And I'm Amanda. And thank you for listening to Noisy Fulfillment. <laughs>